like to turn to the book of John chapter 11. Give a shout out to our bishop doing superintendent duties as well as preaching, preaching out, but we appreciate him. John chapter 11, verse 21, says, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Lord Jesus, speak to us today. God, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for loving us and for caring about us and for reaching into our hearts and lives. We want to connect even deeper with you and be what you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today I'd like to talk to you about the title of messages, but if only, but if only. In our passage, John chapter 11 it begins and it says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. And uh, as I read that verse, I thought how it says, But a certain man. As if you should probably know about this guy. Maybe people really didn't know. Be, uh, but a certain man. If your neighbor came over and said, Hey, there's this guy that lives up in the circle up there. His name's Lucas. Or there, there's this, this uh, person over here, and, uh, uh, um, and her name's Alex. And, and she went through this in life. And you're like, oh, well, that's great. That's an interesting story. That's, that's fantastic. I didn't know them before. And then he says, named Lazarus of Bethany. Okay, oh, he's over here. That's how we can tell people, right? You know how Lucas is known? By his children. There's a guy up in the circle named Lucas. You know that circle where all those kids play and are really loud and crazy? And he has that big yard. That, that's the home that, that used to be that model home. And uh, they got tired of showing it to people, so they sold it at that house. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I know where he's at. So Lazarus here is known by... Mary and her sister, Martha. Oh, yeah, we know Mary and Martha. Now we know you're talking Lazarus. Yeah, I think I've heard about him. And I think that's interesting because the sisters here send to Jesus. And Jesus is traveling and will be headed towards crucifixion. But the Jews want to kill him. Jewish leadership is done with Jesus. And Jerusalem is the hotbed of vitriol. They want to get rid of Jesus. His disciples know this, but they don't understand the cross and the, that He must die. And, and they would like Him not to go to Jerusalem. Everybody around Jesus that cares about Jesus would like to keep Him from danger. And yet, just outside of Jerusalem is this town of Bethany. And Mary and Martha's brother is sick. 
sick to the point that even though they don't have the University of Nebraska medical system, and they don't have x-rays, and they can't do all the blood tests, they know that he's going to die. They know he's going to die, and they're certain of it. And so they send for Jesus because they're certain that Jesus could and would heal him. And so we, we started out, and it says, you know that, that Lazarus dude? And they say, therefore his sister sent him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest. And I had never noticed that before because I always think of Lazarus as, oh man, that's the dude that Jesus loved. And yet the scripture opens up with, you know the brother of Mary and Martha? But when they brought him to Jesus, they didn't say, oh, just another man over here who happens to be our brother. And we felt bad for his condition. But they were like, Jesus, the one that you love. Lazarus, the story here, isn't just to be about Lazarus. But it's to let you know, not only does Jesus love Lazarus, but He loves you. Jesus healed a blind man. And Jesus will heal you. Jesus filled the 120 with the Holy Spirit, with His Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus will fill you. And when you bring somebody to Jesus, you're not just bringing Joe who lives over here. You're bringing somebody that Jesus loves. And when you come to Jesus, Jesus already loves you. And in a world of, I think it's 7 billion people now, and if I've got the number wrong, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> he pays attention to you. Because while I might have that big number wrong, Jesus knows every individual. And He hasn't marked one off His page saying, oh, you know what, that was doomed to failure from birth. No. He cares and He loves. And somehow, God sorts through all the noise and of, uh, the, the hub and bub of this world and all the loudness and the sounds out there and then all the wickedness. And His ear picks up each person's voice and He hears it. And he has one-on-one -on -one relationship and connection. And you don't have to wait in line for anybody. But Jesus loves. says, they said, the one whom you love. You love. And, and so Jesus hears about this story. And, and then he doesn't go. He doesn't speedily make his way to Bethany. The disciples were glad for that. Why? Because they're like, when he decides to go, they're like, hold on, hold on, no, man. We're going to go with you and we'll die too. You know what? We're all going to die. We're all going to die. It makes me think of that movie, I'm a dog too. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but he's like, we're all going to die. We're going to do this with you, Jesus. And, and so Jesus holds off. Why? Because he says, hey, 
There's something that's going to happen here. The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Not every one of your problems and situations need to be resolved before they occur. Not everything needs to be taken care of before it happens. We have to go through things. Because in going through things, we're changed. Sometimes we have to go through struggles, and out of those struggles, we lose a little bit of pride. We get over ourselves just a little bit. Sometimes in going through struggles, you learn who you really can be. You're like, wait a second, you know what? We have a society, and I'm part of this society, and we want to stop every little scratch, and we want to keep every little owie from happening, and, and preferably your kids would just never play outside until they get so much on your nerves you stick them outside, and somebody might be able to relate to that out there, and I think that's a good thing because they need to be outside, they need to play, and they need to fall down, and they need to get, their, get hurt, Somebody does need to break a bone once in a while. I know this is bad parenting 101. Um, but they grow from that. They need to run. And they need to get those bones so that they're stronger and those lungs so that they work. And they need to go to school. Imagine that, children. You need to go to school and you need to learn math. And when you do all these things, you find out that you can be something better and greater. And when you become an adult, you realize, you know what? I went through hard things back here. But I came through that. And I don't know what this next challenge is like. But we're going to face it. And we're going to come through that too. And so when you try to prevent and stop everything, you prevent them from realizing we can make it through. And then some of you are saying, you know, Pastor Lucas, I've gone through some pretty rough stuff. And we could have just left it be. I do not have the answers to all those horrible situations. I don't have the answers to your divorce. I don't have the answers to the, your loved one that died. I don't have the answers to some terrible cancer or sickness or a child that was taken from you or somebody who rejected you and, and tossed you out. Or society. I don't have all those answers. And God isn't going to tell every one of you the why. He did not tell Job why. He just showed him himself. He's like, Job, let me just show you me. And Job said, I heard God, but now I see God. And when Job said those words, he was still in the dump. He still had the boils. He still had the pottery shard. But the, the, the book of Job no longer gives us that description because Job went from a place over here to seeing God. And I don't know all your whys, but I know that He does. And the hurt probably wouldn't be any less if He told you why. But I know the one who holds the hurt. I know the one who's our hope. And He's our hope in the future. And He's our hope for tomorrow. And He has all of eternity. And so I'm going to stay with Him. And I'm going to walk with Him. And so Martha here and Mary, they send for Jesus. 
And Jesus holds off. And they don't get it. And they don't understand why. And and perhaps somebody whispered, well, he's actually scared to come. He might get killed. I don't know what transpired. But I know when Jesus showed up, she said, Lord, if thou hast been here. Oh, I hear a, but only if you had come. But only if you had come. You know, God, if I only had a friend at the right time, I would have stayed in church. But if only you had touched my marriage one day sooner. But if only I had been born to different parents. But if only, but if only I had just made a different decision. You know, and that's the hard struggle right there. Because we don't like to be responsible when things go wrong. They say, just ask anybody in prison if they're there because they did something wrong. And a lot of them will tell you, I did nothing wrong. You get in a car accident. And according to the rules, it's your fault. And you're like, but they slammed on their brakes. They should have known better. They were in front of me. Everybody drives this way. And for some random reason, in the middle of the road, they hit their brakes and I rear-ended them. Not that you looked at your phone five seconds before that. And and why? Because you don't want it to be your fault. You get a bad grade on a test, it's because the teacher can't teach. You get a bad grade on the paper, at some point you decide God just made you too dumb. And that you shouldn't even be in school. but, But if only somebody else had done something different... But if only the president hadn't had bad economic policies and inflation didn't go through the roof, we would have been able to pay our bills. It's the rancor of politics. And when they point each other's fingers and politicians want you to know how bad the other one is, they do this. But if only. And we don't ever have a sense of responsibility. And then at some point we do hit reality. And secretly inside we sit there and we say, but only if I had just made different decision. If only I had done my part differently. If only I hadn't gone to that party. If only I had listened to my parents. If if only. The problem is is you can't go back and undo but if onlys. But if onlys. You can't change those things. You know a lot of people, people don't spend a lot of time being mad at the devil. They really don't. I don't hear people throughout society taking the devil's name in vain. They don't. They they know he's an evil dude and they're like, that's just what he is. But they look at God and they curse God. They curse the day they were born. They they curse about him as if it's just a joke and, and it becomes a part of their language. So when they say it, they don't even necessarily mean evil, bad things. It's just... An okay thing to do. How many of your husbands would like to see your wife's name used all the time by people when they were meaning bad things? And vice versa. Well, maybe I shouldn't ask that question. But, um, you know, people get angry at God. And why do they do that? Because you, they think, were supposed to take care of my problem. 
God, you had all the power and the ability. So why am I here? It's like a child when a child says, but, but my parent could have helped me more with my homework. Or, but they could have bought me that thing so, so nobody would have made fun of me at school. But, and, and we have this but if only, and we like to ultimately direct it towards God. And Mary and Martha both found in verse 32 when Jesus meets Mary over by, when he goes and finds her she says but if thou hast been here my brother had not died but if only you know what accusations feel like it's like pierces you but if you only but if you only Jeremy you can feel it when somebody says, but if you had just done your job, it hurts, you failed. And Jesus talks to Mary, and he says, or to Martha, and he says, thy brother shall rise again. And she's like, I know he's going to rise one day. I know it. I know it. And the understanding that she didn't have is, see, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. But he didn't just preach the kingdom of God. He preached it not as just something that is going to be, but something that is right now. And every last one of you want to make heaven your home. And you want to see Jesus. And you want to have a changed body. And you are anxiously looking forward to when everything can be different. And you don't have these struggles. And you don't have all these fights. And you're like, one day we will see Jesus. But Jesus here was wanting them to have an understanding. When He says, I am the resurrection and the life, that that I am isn't just a one day, but if situation. It's a right now moment. And not only can I give you tools to help you out in the middle of your problem, but I can take care of the problem when it's gone so far that you think that nobody can do anything about it. Because what we have, we have a situation here, and it's but not yet. It's both here and not yet. And you're like, what does that even mean? You see, the kingdom of God is coming, and we're going to have glorified bodies. But it's already here. And when Jesus fills you with His Spirit, and he, you're baptized in His name, you go down in that water. That's simply just obeying the, the command of God. Uh, when they said, what do we need to do to be saved? And He said, repent. That means to be sorry and want to change. And be baptized in the name of Jesus. That really is just a big fancy word for you. are going down in the water, and the name of Jesus is called out over you. You won't understand why you're doing it, as in like, wow, I have some scientific explanation. But I will tell you, you will be free. Amen. Uh, you will be free. Those sins fall off of you, and it, you will feel so much different. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He puts His Spirit in you. You don't understand how that works either, but it's true. And that's why He said He wanted to be in you. That's why he told him he had to go away so he could come again. That's why the kingdom, when he fills you with his spirit, you still have a fleshly body. But you don't have, your destination is not hell anymore. Your destination is to be with 
Jesus. You're not subject to the laws of the enemy or to the laws of sin. And so he who the Son of Man has set free is free indeed. And when the devil tells you you're a loser, you can go ahead and let him know who your father is. And you can let him know that your past is not your past anymore. It's past. And the blood is over it. And he set you free. Why? Because the kingdom is right now. The kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God has come. And it's a hidden thing right now. And, and, and you hear it and you see it. But you share it. And people see the change in your life. And when they see it, they say, I want more of that. Tell me about it. Let me discover it. It's both happening and is right now. But they didn't grasp that. That's why Martha was like, yes, I know one day he'll rise again. But Jesus wanted you to understand, I'm here right now. I'm your resurrection right now. I'm your hope right now. I heal right now. I, I restore right now. I put marriages back together right now. I provide for your family right now. You see, He can take your butt if only and erase it. But if only I had lived my life better. Well, welcome to new life, He says. Oh, but one day I know I'll have new life. No, have it right now. Oh, we don't wait to, need to wait until tomorrow to encounter Jesus. You say, but if only I had had parents or better parents. Oh, but he says, hey, oh, come into him. Oh, answer the door when he knocks. And he'll come in and sup with you. He's going to eat with you. Oh, that's not just we had a hamburger together. No, he's going to teach you about himself. And you're going to want to feel that hurt and struggle. But it's going to begin to come out. And he's going to begin to heal it. Oh, Jesus is a gentleman. He's a gentleman. You say, what's a gentleman? Well, there's not a lot of gentlemen anymore, it seems like. Not a lot of people holding doors open and... Uh, um, but Jesus is patient and he waits. By the way, I didn't mean to insult anybody on being a gentleman. All right. But Jesus is a gentleman and he's patient and he waits. You know, you can have all the problems in the world and all the struggles. But if you keep them right here in this box of humanity, He's over here, and he's saying, hey, can you tell me about it? I'm right here. And he waits. And you feel the little knock. Sometimes it's at home when you're all alone. Sometimes it's in the middle of a church service. Sometimes it's in the preached message. And you see, you don't just have one problem, but some things go back, and some of you have treasure chests, little boxes of mementos. And as you grew in life, you gathered those mementos up and you put them into a box. They were from your childhood and you carried them with you. You didn't throw them in the trash. And you got a house now and you have closets. You have garages that are full. And in a little box in the back of a bigger box or in the back corner of a closet sets these mementos. 
Except these mementos sometimes are molestation. Some of them are a harsh word delivered by a parent. Some of them are things that you witnessed when your parents fought and somebody walked out. And some of them is just the, the party lifestyle that you've seen develop. Some of them are things that happened at school. Some of them are decisions and choices that you made. And you say, you, you say, hey, you know what? You know, that's just life. And, and, and you, you have these things and, and they're in your little box. And they're back there. And you say, well, I had great church last Sunday. That was great. We felt God in a mighty way. But he's a gentleman. And he comes knocking on your door another time. Why? Because he says, hey, it's now time to go into the closet. There's another box there. And in that box, in the back corner, there's your mementos that you have that you didn't want to share with anybody else because they're actually hurts and pains and struggles. And in time, that's why I will tell you it's also a process. Because God filled you with His Spirit. You were bathed in His name. You, you were baptized. And, and you had all that great stuff. But it, it doesn't mean you have sin and guilt and shame that you need to carry anymore. But some things you weren't ready for Him to hear about yet. Yes, He knows it. But He's waiting for you to whisper to Him about it. And so sometimes when we pray with you, we'll say, just whisper to Jesus. And it can just be Jesus. And other times you can just say it hurts. Or you even tell Him specific things. And He begins to come in and he begins to heal. And you don't need to wait till the resurrection. He'll do it right now. Because the kingdom is now. Go ahead, give him that hand clap. It's now. You, you're going to have struggles. John chapter 3, verse 19, he says, and this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. People who want to spend time doing sinful things, bad things, don't really want you to tell them that it's wrong. And when you walk in with a changed lifestyle, after a bit, they're like, I'm kind of done with that. Because unless they want to respond to the pull to change. Because light, the light of Jesus Christ has come in and shown. And when you walk in delivered, it leaves them with a choice to say, wait a second, my life isn't so pretty either. And do I cover it up and pretend like everything's okay and I just live my highs for a moment? Or do I respond to the light? And so, if they want to remain in sin, they want to cover it up. And so, yes, you're going to go through struggles because sin is in this world. And there's an adversary that hates God. And, and the devils that resisted and fell or left Him and, and, and rejected Him. and They hate Him and they'll tackle you and, and try to attack you. But you don't need to fear because you have God. And he's right here, right now. Right here, right now. 
And so Jesus wanted her to understand. He said in verse 25 of chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Oh, that's a powerful statement there. And he drilled it all the way down. And he said, this isn't just a figure of speech. Because in a little bit, he goes over to a tomb. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he was showing us, Brother Joey, that it doesn't matter if your problem is physically dead. If your your dream is physically dead. He can raise it up. So it's time for you to stop serving your situation. And start serving the God of your situation. Because if it's supposed to come back to life, He'll bring it back to life. And if He wants to take you another direction, then trust Him. But there's nothing that's too hard for God. Lazarus was dead for four days. How many days? I like those kind of tests. Give me the answer. Tuck it in my 20-second memory, and I write it down. Four days. Why? Because they were certain after three days of you being dead, you were actually really dead. Like two days, they thought, well, maybe not so. Maybe there's a possibility. Three days, you're dead. Four days, you're really dead. And they're like, you do not want to open that thing up. Trust me. Trust me. It's not going to smell pretty. And yet Jesus came to show them that I can take things that stink and are dead, and I can bring them back to life. Oh, give him another hand clap. Let's trust Jesus. Let's trust Jesus. Let's trust him. He's the giver of life. And if you could just take away from here today, the kingdom is already here. And yes, you're going to struggle in the flesh, but the power and authority of Jesus Christ is here. And you have victory in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and say it, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, take a hold of that name. He's your victory. He's your hope. He's your deliverance. Sin does not bind you anymore. In the name of Jesus, be set free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Jesus, he says, take me. And he had him take him to the grave. He says, where have ye laid him? I want you to remember that. Where have ye laid him? That's King James for where'd you put him? Where have you laid him? Where did you put him at? Because in a few chapters, John chapter 21, or John chapter 20, you see a lady named Mary Magdalene. And this Mary is desperately searching for Jesus. And she says those same sort of words. Where'd you lay him? Where'd you put him? Where'd you put him? She says, where thou hast laid him. Tell me where thou hast laid him. Where did you put him? In 
And Jesus says, where did you put Lazarus? <laughs> You've been struggling with stuff. And I just want to know where you put it. Some of you have heartaches. Where did you put it? Because Jesus has come. And he's come to not just take care of your problem. But you're going to be something better out of all of it. So he's saying it's time for us to open the box in the back. It's time for us to roll away the stone. Jesus here goes through more emotions than you see any other place. He goes through anger and, 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 and groaning. And, and they're like, oh, he must have really missed him and, and loved him. And, and Jesus, intentionally, the situation's here, not just for Lazarus, but for you. He was showing them also and giving them hope because He's going to go to a cross and He's going to hang there and die. And He was the hope for all humanity and they thought it was over. But He who raised Lazarus raised Himself and He's going to raise you too. And He's got your problem today. And He said, where have you laid Him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Oh, at the beginning of the book of John, there was a couple disciples that were with John the baptizer. And they started following Jesus. And Jesus was like, what's up? And except he didn't say what's up. Um, and, uh, and he's like, what? And they're like, we just want to know where you lay. We want to know where you live at. And he said, come see. Oh, they flipped the tables right here. And, and now they're saying to, he's saying, hey, where are you at? Where's your situation at? And, and they say, come see. So Jesus has a come see for you. And you need to give him a come see. Oh, come see where I live at, Jesus. And he says, okay, take me to where you live at. Oh, where do you live at? Where's your problem? Where did everything fall apart at? And you say, come see, Jesus. Come see. Because he's calling you. And he's saying, come see where I live at. Oh, and he's going to give you joy. And he's going to give you peace. But you know what? You do not have to live a lie for Jesus. He wants to see where it's at. Where have you laid him? And then when he gets there, he says, take ye away the stone. Take ye away the stone. And after it says in, in verse 42... Or end of 41. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it. That they mayest believe that thou hast sent me. And uh, you want to, musicians, if you want to go ahead and get ready to come. Believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice. Lazarus, come forth. The thing that's dead, the thing that's there, it's time to come out. And he called into that grave, Lazarus, come forth. Oh, he began to call. And Jesus wants to call into your life today. He's desperate for you. Just above earlier, he says to Martha, 
Said I not thou unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. You're going to see His power and ability to do what's beyond comprehension. If you would just trust Him today, if you'll take a step of faith and believe, if you'll take Him to the box in the back closet, if you'll let your stone be rolled away, if we could all stand to our feet, you just need to trust Jesus. And for some of you, it's been a while. It's been a while. And earlier I referenced Mary Magdalene. As I bring this to a close, you see Mary Magdalene, she was searching for the tomb. And she was searching for where her hope had been buried. And she ran into the creator of the universe, the first gardener. The one who made the Garden of Eden and this whole earth in the beginning. And when she sees him, supposing him to be the gardener, she saith unto him, Sir, where have they borne him hence? Tell me, where thou hast laid him? She didn't recognize God when he showed up. She didn't recognize Jesus in her life when he was present. But she was desperate. And she was searching. And she was willing to reach. And if you're willing to reach out today, and you're willing to say, Jesus, I can't go very far, but I'm right here. He's here to meet you. And He's here to be God right now. To be glory right now. He doesn't want you to just feel His presence. He wants you to be changed by it. That's His glory. If you were at Youth Congress, you would have heard that often you come to church and you feel the presence of God and you mistake it for the glory. But when you encounter His glory, you're forever changed. I want His glory today. Oh, will you go ahead and let that tomb be opened? But Mary was searching and she finds the gardener and she says, where do you lay him? And I will take him away and Jesus says unto her Mary he just whispers her name he just says it he didn't scream and yell it he didn't say it in a fine preaching voice Courtney he just said Mary just like today he's saying Courtney Jeremy Lucas he's calling your name and in that moment with every eye closed with every eye closed and she turned and Jesus says unto her Mary and she turned and she says unto him Rabboni which is to say master oh he's whispering your name right now let's go ahead and raise our hands hear him whisper your name Lift your face up towards heaven because He's calling each and every one of you. And it's time to respond with, Master, Master, Jesus. Go ahead and whisper back to Him. 
Tell him about your, your grave. Tell him about your tombstone. Tell him about the box in the back corner of your closet. Jesus. Oh, he's here right now. Oh, he's here right now. Begin to talk to him, church. I want to go ahead and lift your voice now. Lift your voice now. If you feel like it, go ahead and pray in the spirit. Jesus. Jesus. Let him heal you. Jesus, I ask you to reach down across this audience and heal every sin and enter into every hurt and pain and begin to apply your balm, oh balm of Gilead, oh rose of Sharon, Jesus, touch every heart and every life, restore, oh God, bring life, oh Lord Jesus, hallelujah, give him love right now, Jesus, give him worship, Jesus, hallelujah, Hallelujah. We began this message with a hand wave to the Lord. Go ahead and begin to lift your hands up. Lift your face up and call on Him. Hallelujah, Jesus. The front of this church is open. And I would invite you to take a walk towards this front. And just walk up here. And offer up your life. And offer up yourself. Give your life... Give your problem, give your situation. Thank you. 